0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari-Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man with a waterbed that's not quite filled up enough, to say the <laughs> least. Maybe they didn't maybe read the instructions? Maybe
1: filled know. with too much air? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like I feel like it's full of something because it's bulbous, but it's definitely reacting- Well, yeah, seriously- Listen- I, I, Everything I'm, about that waterbed is comedic genius, and I love it. Yeah, no, it's I very good.
0: I, I, am yeah. operating on a lot of sense memory here. Uh, yeah, my my parents did own a waterbed when I was young, and yeah. I don't remember it sloshing erratically.
1: And I <laughs> right, do, right. if
0: I do recall, I was in charge of being the whatever, like five year old, eight year old who rolled around on it when they were trying to empty it out to force the water out. <laughs> yes. And yes. I remember it behaving like that primarily when it didn't have enough water. Yeah.
1: Uh, where the water has room to wave. See, right, my parents exactly. also had a waterbed when I was young. Uh, but, but their waterbed had a unique solution to this that I assumed was just normal. Uh, the one in the movie clearly one large bladder right my parents uh, was a king size waterbed with two twin sized
0: i bladders i saw that i saw that and a I've seen uh, that before, yeah and,
1: and like a triangle piece of foam that kept them separated in the middle hmm. so uh so at least the waviness of one did not directly right yeah didn't it you, you couldn't jump on bed <laughs> Yeah, he couldn't jump on one side of the bed and throw somebody off like uh like the air blob that my dad's camp used to have. Right, um, right. Or yeah. Still has actually, but dad's not at the camp
0: anymore. Uh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I mean like I just I remember like and then again, you know, I was like 8 years old or whatever, 5 years old. Yeah, of so course. like I don't know exactly, like maybe it's just a weight issue, but like I don't remember it moving that much when I would like for example jump into it. I remember yeah. it being filled fairly full, uh that being said, who thought waterbeds were a good idea <laughs> uh the seventies man yeah i I just I remember like like, boy man, water beds were a th- but they existed well into the eighties and nineties. I remember going to furniture stores, shopping for other things and seeing the waterbed department. I am fairly certain they don't exist anymore well here in columbus we still have a shop
1: called water beds and stuff uh which predominantly services campus ohio state university's campus uh with uh water pipes and psychedelic like posters but nice uh, but nice. it's still called water beds and stuff and you can buy a loft bed there but not a water loft bed. oh god
0: think. Could you imagine a water loft bed? <laughs> I I can't yeah, I, now. I can't let go of that idea. This is with probably your, the most with your dangerous thing. Desk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. your computer you desk. Like, under it. You have possibly a ton, like a literal, actual ton of water above your above your yeah. computer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I want. Uh, this it doesn't to really matter.
1: All the kids uh, have unibody laptops now. Water probably can't affect them. So. Right.
0: Well, you would hope. All right. I just, Well, yeah. Could affect their body if it were to, like, all ton <laughs> right. of it were to come crashing down on them right. at the same time. All right. What happened to your son? Uh, well, he was smashed to death by his loft waterbed. <laughs> We've had twelve <laughs> cases this year already. We're thinking we're gonna have to ban them on campus because you know some kids would like not go out for the full kit. They would like milk, make their own. So there's like some cinder oh, yeah. blocks and like those little tiny <laughs> plastic pegs that people put their like, uh, you know, if yeah. you want to like raise your dorm bed up just a little bit with the, like that little triangle of plastic. Oh, it's like yeah. it's probably strong enough. It's fine. So I like got yeah. fifteen hundred pounds of water bed on top. It creaks a little bit when I get into bed, but it's fine.
1: Uh, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, over there for a dollar a month, you can support us, and you get access to a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film, and you get to vote on what it's going to be. Put together a list every month of uh, four films that are sort of themed, and then the fifth one is always uh, 1996's Kazam, the children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie, uh,
0: the universal movie, box. as we call
1: it, uh, yes, the Er movie, yeah, the movie from which all other movies uh, draw across time,
0: Both forward and
1: backwards, uh, but not current. Uh, Nineteen ninety-six had had the only movies that were not explicitly <laughs> well; they couldn't coexist in the same sphere yeah.
0: as uh, right. Sam because it right. would actually it was, sort of it was powerful. Yeah, time, it was too powerful. Right, yeah, right, uh, right, yeah. I like to view Kazam uh. primarily as a sort of panacea. <laughs> uh I treat my illnesses with it. Um Yeah. No matter what's going on. I like on to
1: view Kazam as a sort of panopticon.
0: Oh um. yeah, no, that too, right? <laughs> like yeah, totally. Uh you, you know, you, you you look into it and you see everything at the same time. It's kind of it's kind of an amazing thing, really. You see the wholeness of yeah. the universe and time. <laughs> uh
1: but yeah, we watch uh we watch a lot of good movies over there, a lot of fun movies. Uh have uh we've done uh, what's what's my favorite movie we've done? One of my I favorite. Mean, Kazam, over probably. There. Kazam was pretty fun and I hope people make us watch Kazam again. But uh one of my favorite episodes over there was uh Now You See Me with our friend yeah, Steven, that was fun. uh Goldmeyer who is an evangelist of Now You See Me, a movie yeah, he no. absolutely loves I mean, and thinks yeah. he's terribly underrated. So that was good.
0: Um, I mean, he makes good arguments in its favor. Oh, yeah, favor. yeah, no, no, it's right, It's right. not like it's just harassment. He doesn't like follow you around like just <laughs> right, shouting pro right. now you see me slogans at you or anything like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: though, I mean, he'd be justified if that's how he wanted to do
0: it. Yeah, I which actually would be a different sort of thing, but it would be a lot of fun too uh, yeah. if that's how he yeah. spent he spent his weekends.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, we have fun over there. We watch we watch different. Different movies, non-criterion films, at least once a movie that became a criterion film uh, in Failsafe from Sidney Lumet. Well, we've also watched Ernest Goes to Camp, uh, so it's 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 not like we have a high bar. Uh, Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to get in on that. For a little extra $5 a month, we uh, we like to thank those people on air. Uh, no one to thank this month because uh, there are no $5 a month supporters right now. But there are plenty everybody of $10 loves us too much. much. Yeah, That's everybody why. loves us too much. Ten dollars is just so, so compelling to people, uh, and yeah, I say that like stuff. I'm setting up a joke, and I'm not because no, good. no, what no, we do it, at ten dollars is it's fun, true. and I like it, and I'm so happy that we do it, and I'm so happy that people are connecting with it. What happens at the ten dollar mark is uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard, I write a little thank you note to you with a fountain pen even. Isn't that fancy? It is uh, super fancy. Yeah, you can't read it at all. It's great. Uh, I once watched I Adam write
0: this because uh, we were in the same room, and I, you know, I mean, it is its own work of art. There's a sort of hieroglyphic, classes, hieroglyphic construction saying. on the back of every every postcard. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. You can maybe figure it out if if you decode it right. I mean, if you have a Rosetta uh, but, yeah. Stone, you'll be fine. Right. Right. Uh uh, but yeah, we uh, like I said, uh, I enjoy doing it. I love that people are connecting with it, and uh, and we have plenty of people connecting with it. We like to thank those people on air as well. So thank you so much to uh, Charlie Mueller, our most recent uh, ten dollar supporter, Christopher Otto, Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Patrick Yako, Jonathan Hape, and Adam Speakerman who've all been supporting us for uh, for a few months at least, uh, over a year for some of them. And I'm uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard I to just believe, Very yeah. grateful. Jason Wait, Westhaver That's a
0: lot
1: of people. Jason, yeah. Jason West has been supporting us in one way or another. Not not necessarily at the ten dollar mark, I don't think, but maybe. Maybe he has been ten dollars the entire time. But he has been supporting us since September 2017. Uh so uh yeah. We're uh we're that's very, a long very, time. Very, thank you. Thank you, Jason. But yeah, patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want in on that. This week we are talking about the ice storm. Uh, From 1997, Uh, this is directed by Ang Lee. It was meant to be Ang Lee's uh, English language debut. Uh, It did not end up being Ang Lee's English language debut because he made Sense and Sensibility uh, first. That contract got, (laughs) got slid in there. That from 1995, the one starring Hugh Grant and Kate Winslet, um... Uh, so, ice storms from nineteen ninety seven. Crouching Tiger, he did in ninety nine. Um, he made three films in Taiwan prior to this, and they are they are what is called his father knows best trilogy, um, which include Pushing Hands, The Wedding Banquet, and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, um, which sounds like the president's memory test. Uh, yes. Um uh they are often compared to the works of Ozu okay. uh, as sort of not necessarily reactionary outright, but um but about the clash of traditional society with with modern society in in a time marches on sort of way, not in right. a we need to go back sort of way necessarily. Mm. Uh and one Although, of those I mean, I argument
0: i mean that brings us to an argument about ozu maybe or maybe right. not but we, that we don't need to have right, right. about whether that or not we, ozu belongs you know, for the past or not right but, and
1: we certainly talked about that with like late uh late spring i think um yeah at least uh one of those takes place in new york city uh though i can't remember which one um then, like I said, he started doing English language work with Sense and Sensibility in 95. This he made in 97. 99, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is probably. uh, Well, no, I can't I even say. I don't know if that's his
0: it's, most well known film. No, I mean, Brokeback Mountain yeah. would probably be his most famous film. Yeah, Brokeback Mountain certainly. Life certainly of Pi I mean, it's hard to say at this point, right? He has a. Like, oh, a I forgot enough, he did Life of Pie even. It's a big enough oeuvre yeah. that, like, it's hard to say at yeah, this point, honestly.
1: Um, I also forgot he directed Gemini Man, the uh, the recent Will Smith
0: action film. Oh, um, I did I did not know he even directed that. So, there you yeah, go. Yeah.
1: We will see one more Ang Lee film sometime in the future with Ride with the Devil, uh, which is, Ooh, is uh, another Tobey Maguire starring. It is not quite a Western. It takes place in the South uh, during the Civil War. Uh, that's Spine 514, so it's actually not that far away in the grand scheme of things. In right. It's about a year and a half away in our It's
0: got like a million people in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Holy uh, crap.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty uh pretty epic movie too. Uh Lee in regards to that, and and we'll talk about it then, uh Lee says some interesting things about uh, being, uh, being Taiwanese, and sympathizing, or at least, at least, I don't want to call Lee a Confederate sympathizer, but I do want to accurately <laughs> accurately portray his I know where you're going words. with this.
0: I get what you're saying about the idea he, of rebellion or something like that. To that, effect. not necessarily or even the the overt
1: idea of rebellion. The idea of separatism against a uh, Yankee influence was a was a thing he sort of expressly said but obviously with Taiwan the separatism was against uh you know the communist China uh another interesting about Lee is uh I think his grandparents were killed in the cultural revolution um which is yeah I bring up because of the Ozu conversation we've already started um if Lee were being reactionary, I think he'd have good reason to be reactionary. Um, maybe not. Maybe not necessarily sympathetic reason from our point of view, but but perhaps still good reason to be to be uh, reactionary. But I don't know. Within this film, I don't know that he's being reactionary. I don't think he is because he didn't he didn't come to the U.S. until much later. Right. Right. You know, the first time he was in the U.S. was in 78. He did not experience 1973 in the U.S. Lee's portrayal of 1973 here is the same as his portrayal of Sense and Sensibility. It's a period piece, as far as he's concerned. Right. Or a and, period and he is, has no personal the, connection to.
0: Right. And it's going to be produced primarily informed, I would assume, by the book that the movie's based off of. Right.
1: Right. They cut out a lot from the book, though, and a lot of the darker elements of the book, and a lot of more of the explicit. Like here, a lot of the sex and sexual aspects are implied, right? Right. Um, the book is is uh, it's my understanding that the book is much more explicit in those details as well. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly. I, mean, I yeah, I'm not terrible, but this is that kind of story this kind of that kind of book i this is not exactly my cup of tea as movies go slash books go um i find these sort of this is a sort of weird nostalgia right to a certain extent right the movie is sort of steeped in it i was reading about so the first thing i sort of dug into was like uh the author of the book in 1973 would have been 12. yeah uh so it's already informed by us like, I, I, I'm not in a position to like to critique deeply about this, but it brings you to an interesting problem where like the book is also being written by a person who was not of, of, of sort of adult consciousness in the year that he, so like it's a period piece being written by a person, you know what I mean? Like we're like several steps removed from the period, but from actual experience of the period. right? Right. Right. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just that, like, this feels like to me what this feels like, and this is like a really heavy level of criticism that I don't, I don't really intend to heap onto this. I don't want to like attack it per se, but like it brings it reminds me of other movies I've watched where it feels like they sort of everything in the kitchen sink, a draw a period drama, where it's right, like right every sort of stereotype of the period is present in the drama. Yeah. I and mean, even things very... that aren't stereotypes of the period. It's like it's a lot.
1: Yeah, that is true but extremely locally, right? You know, it's not it's not the wide range of stereotypes of the early 70s no, you might that's get. True. We don't we don't have any we don't have any uh, uh just post ex hippies hanging out here. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's true. I mean, but what I are, mean is are is that pot maybe, but
0: yeah, right. I mean, what I mean primarily about that is there I there's this sort of like um, what I mean is more like it's like an un whenever I encounter dramas like this, what I'm overwhelmed with is like no. And this is a problem with drama pieces in general, especially like modern dramas that feel a need to have a lot going on is it like mm-hmm. tends to overload the drama with like. No, everybody's deep, deep into some shit right now. Like, right, right. There's nobody who's just like tooling around. Uh, right. You know what I mean? There, the closest we get is the sort of, sort of main character, uh, on the you know who go. I don't remember. I cannot for the life yeah. of me. Ma- yeah, Toby Maguire's character. Yeah, Toby Maguire's character. Well, see, I ran into a problem there because Toby Maguire at this age and Elijah Wood at this age look identical <laughs> to me. <laughs> They are the same fucking person. I, I get that. Yeah. I I rewound this movie so much. Because I was like, "Wait, who just did what now? These people are the same person." Wait, is this some sort of is this some sort of like yeah. like nightcrawler Banff situation? Is he in multiple places at the same <laughs> time? What's going on here? But what I mean is like and I find this distasteful in a lot of dramas of this type. Is Yeah there's no low point people. There's nobody for whom the world is functioning sort of as expected. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 and to a certain, a certain extent, maybe it is, you could say, you could argue that it is, but because the, the drama needs to heighten those experiences to make everybody being going, being, you know, everybody's going through something. Yeah. Uh, it does I find it tends to overload me in dramas like this i i yeah. and this is not a specifically this drama thing it's in all right. dramas of this type thing like
1: and and where it get where it comes here is that every named character has a prominent defining characteristic yeah right yeah uh like even even generally periphery characters paul's roommate is uh just a, uh, a
0: a snake of a ladies' man. Yeah. Uh, Kate. Er, ah, now we run into the problem. We have to name these characters Jimmy Christmas. <laughs> right. That's hard to do. Eight million people in this movie.
1: Yeah. Katie Holmes' character isn't just the object of desire for Paul, but she has her own crap going on in that her parents. And her step siblings have left her for the second year running, right? Uh, right. To go exactly. skiing in Europe while she's sitting at home,
0: right? Uh, and the problem is, is that that's there's nothing wrong with her having stuff going on, but because you need to have so many characters, she doesn't have a personality per se. She doesn't
1: have a personality beyond that. But even that does not play into the only time we see her on screen for an extended bit. Like the whole whole party in that it is the three of them sitting in an apartment getting high. uh, It doesn't play into that. Her loneliness is not really shown here uh, beyond her being a teenage girl who doesn't realize that both of these guys want to sleep with her. Right. Well, or maybe just, does realize it is just yeah, but know, also acting oblivious because she doesn't want to. Right.
0: Right. And but it also yeah. yeah, those that connection between those is tenuous at best, right? Like that Right, right. And and you you know, and you could say, well, a lot of it's gonna have to go under the shoulders of the actors in terms of acting, right? Like she has that and she pull if she does a good job. But yeah. like, come on, that's a lot to put into ten minutes of screen time. To be like, <laughs> right. I need to tell yeah. you the backstory of this character through my actions and emotions in 10 minutes. Like, and and they, again, they just have, there's these kind of dramas just for me tend to overwhelm me with like, yeah, maybe a novel can pull it off because a novel has infinite space essentially, right? Like a novel has unlimited space to, and can compress a lot more information, right? Because you can like, the narrator can describe a person.
1: And that's that's really where the novel is. It's not that a novel right. can be infinite because you certainly wouldn't want to read an infinite novel. You wouldn't Have want to read. Have you a no- heard of you want to re-
0: George R. R. Martin? Are you aware of this person? I listen.
1: Okay, yes, some people do want to read an infinite novel, and those people bewilder me. But <laughs> but uh, a novel like this, if it were more than say a hundred thousand words. Yeah, it uh, would be insane. even add a hundred thousand words as tedious, <laughs> I, right? Yeah, right. I read
0: the, I read the, <laughs> uh, I, read the uh, I read the Ice Storm uh, quadrilogy <laughs> the other day. Yes, yes. Uh,
1: but you know, everyone in this is a good actor. Yeah. But they are portraying characters who are
0: fairly, one by and up- large, yeah.
1: not. Uh, I don't want to use the word one-dimensional necessarily, but one of their dimensions is such a defining characteristic that some of them might as well be one-dimensional.
0: Well, I think it depends on screen time, right? Like the ones you, right. will, the reason you don't want to use one-dimensional is some of them are on screen enough that they can build a character, and some right. of them right. are not because yeah. I'm looking at the ca- The cast list there's there's essentially no cast beyond the named characters, essentially, right? right? Like I mean. What I, what I mean is, that, yeah, there's a bunch of extras, but the extras are super extras, right? So, like, y- you know, you look at that when you look at the the credits at the end, it's almost entirely named characters, and then you've got like the the five extras who were given speaking lines, <laughs> right?
1: Right, the Reverend, the yeah, you know, and, blah blah and blah.
0: And the, and even those people because and then because those extras are given speaking lines, you kind of expect them to become real characters at some point, right? Like the Reverend, you expect him to pick up right. some sort of extra emphasis later on in the story because it's like, well, I mean, like he talked a lot for somebody who's not one of the main. Yeah,
1: I feel. Well, I feel like the Reverend is probably someone who is much more developed in the novel than probably. Here. Yeah, I would. Agree. The Reverend that makes sense. here, he meets with uh with Elena. Or Elena, however you say her name, um, they run so, into each other at the book sale, and then uh, they run into each other at the party, and have one of my favorite interactions.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, in it's the movie. probably the it's probably the best line when, in the movie. Yeah, anyway. when
1: he says sometimes the shepherd needs to comfort the sheep, <laughs> yeah. I audibly gagged. And then she comes back. And then she also audibly gagged. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to try hard not to understand the implications of that. And then he gets sad and walks away. Yeah. It's right. Right.
0: Right. Right. It's very. Uh,
1: Yeah. Like in the book, I can imagine that maybe when she goes bike riding, he's on a bike too in some sort of weird coincidence thing that he's trying to manufacture anyway. Right. And you know the the reverend is its own sort of stereotype that maybe in '97 wasn't. Uh, I think I think the the minister who uses his position for sex with his congregants is actually a fairly well defined stereotype for centuries. So no, I agree. Yeah, no, totally, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean that that shit appears in, in like right. Very usually they text. are more overtly evil. Um, well, but that's that's part of the the development of sort of like. Right. Higher sort of right. higher minded drama is like, well, we we're right. not going to make right. him overtly evil. He just is a guy who kind of does, evilish adjacent things, and a lot of the characters <laughs> right. in these and kind I, of dramas fit into that right. category, right? right. No and one's I do, evil. And I, I don't want to harp on
1: on the reverend too much, but I do want to clarify that a uh, a reverend having sex with a a reverend having sex not a problem. A reverend having sex with a congregant. Is a power dynamic that is inherently problematic. Absolutely. So don't do that. <laughs> for all you I reverends out you, there listening, I don't no, care if you have an extramarital affair, yourself. Um, <laughs> but don't do it with one of your congregants. That's a bad thing. Well, and, uh, and but, has, but
0: you know, you usually hear about it being that way, partially because of the power dynamic. The power dynamics, especially for when you consider the sort of way that, uh, um, you know. Toxic masculinity works and things like that. The right, power dynamics right, right. are very attractive because they allow yeah. very easy access to things that otherwise would be difficult. And But also throw in the fact that, um, you know, like reverends in theory probably don't meet a lot of other people. Right, right. You combine those two things it, together.
1: While he is having, you know, he is making overt advances to a married individual. We don't know that he's married. He could be married. He could not be married. We don't right. know being in new England. He's probably some sort of, uh, uh, goodness, Episcopalian or, or congregationalist as opposed right. to Catholic. So, Oh you know,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's Catholic. No, that, I don't, that doesn't, right. I don't that, that, it's right not down. played that way in the film. So
1: yeah, everybody, everybody sort of has their defining thing. Is is the issue here in that right. beyond the families, and not even all of the families, there's not a sort of well-developedness. Like right, Kevin Klein, Joan Allen, uh, Sigourney Weaver—they're all very good actors, right? Yeah. And and even and know. they're good
0: in this. I mean, they are doing <laughs> and a they're good, good in job. this,
1: so they are good at inhabiting what seems like kind of a framework character right uh you know Jamie Sheridan's character doesn't show up as often and therefore gets uh high point notes as far as characterization right. which are his kids didn't realize he was gone uh, and later his wife uh makes him sad by picking the young man at the party right uh, and then uh but even you know, Wendy Christina Ricci's character is well developed. Elijah Woods' character, I think, is well developed, even though he is the one track dreamer. Wow. Um, but like Sandy, the younger brother, less so. He likes to blow things up and yeah. I mean, there it's you're sexually just, you're, confused about what he wants.
0: Right. Uh, well, and we're we're running into that thing, right? Like that you've right. just named a lot of people for two yeah. hours worth of time. Like it and just like,
1: is. Paul's. Paul's the narrator and not even necessarily all that well developed,
0: right? Actually, I would argue that Paul is one of the worst developed characters in the movie. Despite yeah. being our sort of our narrator right. and our sort of observer, we don't know hardly anything about him. Yeah. And Paul we, is a
1: collection of interests that we almost right. see.
0: Right. And, and yeah, and we don't even really get a firm grasp on how familiar he is with him, how many of the how much of them are related to his interest in this <laughs> in this young woman versus how much a interest that he developed independently. Right. And we and, and then we'd also don't like really get a lot a good feel for his personality or anything else, really. Uh yeah. It's not it's not great. And I don't think it's Toby Maguire's fault. I think it's wow, we sure yeah. had a lot to put in this movie, huh?
1: Right, right. And I don't want to say, you know, I need a backstory for everything. I think it is a a great shorthand that these are siblings who uh you know, are <laughs> are related in the way that siblings who are in, close in age are best friends growing right. up, you know? And the fact that they call each other Charles is silly, and I don't need an explanation for it. Right. Right?
0: No, no, yeah, no, we don't need that. But but what well, we do need, well, again, that's not the, right, that, but that's not right, the issue right, at right. hand. The issue at hand is, like, we don't get, beyond not having personalities that you can really, like, grasp onto, you also have the problem of, like, there's just not enough time to tell the stories and the conflicts of any of these individual characters in any sort of depth, right? We're getting, right. to right. me, what is essentially a sketch of a sort of kind of nostalgia right. right? that we encounter, not just in this time period, but we encounter in this. It, the 70s nostalgia, personally, has a weird sort of darkness to it, to me. People are nostalgic for the '70s, but they are nostalgic in a sort of darkish way. Uh, I, I you encounter it a lot in storytelling, but you, it's not only for this decade. You do encounter it for other decades. This sort of like, it's not a nostalgia where you're like, I can't, I wish we could go back, but this sort of like, remember that crazy time, and then people want to sort of recreate these 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 sort of like feelings and things that were going on at that time. And there's this tendency to sort of heighten those things and, and amplify them in, in really specific ways, make them seem more dramatic than they were and more right. intense than they were.
1: And I, I also sort of want to look at our own biases. You know, we've watched movies before that are about upper class people having existential crises yeah. And you know, uh the swimmer we did the bonus episode on which right. really connected with us and we really liked, but that mm-hmm. is also about one man's drama, not about Right, but that's two the thing, right? We get dramas. to dig right.
0: into that shit like hard. Right,
1: right. Whereas something like Cosmopolitan um not Cosmopolitan, Metropolitan, the one with the with the college right. students.
0: Yeah, I remember that one. <clears throat> is
1: Less, you know, we have, we have a more overt point of view character, but he's also very much like Paul in this, in that while he's, while he's our narrator and maybe point of view character, uh, we're seeing things happen that he's not related to. And, uh, and there's other, <laughs> a lot of other stuff going on. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I but like, I would, I feel if... like this
0: movie is a lot closer to that than it is movies we All... like. Right, but I what I would say is that if I had to choose between the two, I would choose choose Metropolitan because it does spend more time on individual characters digging into that than this does. Right. right. This to me me just reminds me a lot of other dramas that I've seen, especially about the seventies, that like really wanna like let you know what the seventies were all about, man. And, yeah, this is very specifically in New England 70s, but it's the, still the same idea of, like, we need to, like, encapsulate a lot of information in this. Otherwise, people won't get what yeah. is going on. Um, I think it's also a symptom of the 90s, if I'm being honest. Right, right. It sounds really weird, but, like, if I think about sort of non or fiction, like, you know, books that would appear in the fiction department of a library. Yeah of this era a lot of them have this feel to them this sort of like ah oh, we want to dig into the darkness at the heart of man while also telling a story of people normal people going through their normal life dramas like i think that's you know kind of an impetus
1: for a lot of a lot of fiction over oh the yeah no totally but, but i don't certainly. know this just feels very yeah. 90s to me like but it, ooh, but it like done, done so poorly 90s. yeah right and and someone who <laughs> A work that actively talks about Dostoevsky while trying to do things Dostoyevsky was significantly better at right. is uh, <laughs> is its own thing. Um, Bill Crone wrote the essay on this one and uh, he actually talks a little bit about a similar idea about the uh, historical repetition that was from the era that this movie is about to the era that it is being made in. Um, for instance, this came out uh, really, months before the Clinton impeachment stri- started, right? Right. Um, and and as he sort of delicately points out, the Cri- Clinton impeachment was over the sexual act that the Deep Throat movie is about. Even as Deep Throat became the uh, colloquial name for the uh, informant for another impeachment trial, right? Right, um, yeah, I the essays the essay had me a little taken out, too um there's a point where Bill Crone, in describing the movie says it has hints of magical realism, and I stopped reading and thought, you're gonna have to explain that one, bill
0: <laughs> yeah, i don't I don't know what that's all about, <laughs> so what he eventually gets
1: around to is the idea that uh, Elena and Wendy in mimicking actions have some sort of suggested psychic connection. And I don't know that it's that that so much as it's a mother and a daughter doing similar things. She rides her bike because she saw Wendy riding her bike.
0: I mean, also like, you know, sort of literary parallelism, right? Like right. You just right. Want isn't, isn't magical or, realism, right? Yeah. Those like, are different things. I sure right. would like multiple characters to be yeah. doing the, who, especially who are related to do the same yeah. kind of thing because it's right. Textually interesting to happen.
1: Yeah. The shoplifting where Elena gets caught and Wendy doesn't is, is maybe an interesting dichotomy. Uh, but while the movie doesn't make explicit, the book does talk that Wendy is a serial kleptomaniac and Elena knows this. So she is enacting things that she knows that her daughter is doing to try and grasp youth or whatever. Um, right. Which is obviously what she's doing in the film here, too. Right. right. You know, these are, you know, Elena and Ben are people trapped in a marriage that shouldn't be happening, just like their friends. <laughs> Uh, right, well, their friends Jim and, and Jamie are. Right, so uh, like,
0: okay, go ahead. Sorry, It's just brought an interesting thought to yeah, my mind.
1: Whereas, whereas, Elena just you know is is going about recapturing this in a very different way than right. any any of the other people involved here. Right. right.
0: But yeah, I, I mean, ahead, you please. brought you brought up about the marriages, and that, I think that fits into sort of my mental dynamic that when I start to like when I start to ponder what what I think about like. Dramas written in the '90s—that's mm-hmm. always a sort of like everybody's got these sort of like very elaborate marriage problems that are like, right? I don't know. It's it's just an interesting thing that like it feels like a lot of other dramas I've watched, it, almost regardless of era that they're portraying, made in the in the mid '90s about family. The late right? '80s, it's,
1: the late yeah. '80s into the mid '90s, were hyper concerned with divorce and the ramifications of divorce for children uh and what that meant for the country morally were were not just evangelical issues they were right. they were things that oh, mainstream remember. yeah
0: yeah i mean i and i remember that it's just what i mean is like when they started making when they made dramas about it like their desire to comment make comment on that issue yeah. often led to representations where it's like oh, yeah, human beings are fundamentally incapable of coexisting together <laughs> right, without, right. like, absolutely fucking destroying are bad, right? each other. It's like, and, 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 like, I find that that dynamic, it, there's nothing wrong with having, like, some unhappy marriages in your movie, but, right. like, it's sort of like, at the same time, like, having, like, when you combine that and you've got that going on and then you have all these young people going through lots of sexual issues that, like, Again, nothing wrong with that in a movie per se, but, like, when every single one of them is having, like, really noticeable
1: issues. The implication of that being that their parents have not uh, portrayed positive relationships. So this is them not being able to figure out how to have their own positive relationships. Right. And even, like, Libet's, Libet's parents are completely off screen. But it's implied that her mother is remarried because she has a step family, right? Right. Uh and and well, I guess it could be her father and a stepmother instead of her mother and a stepfather. Right. But we in don't either know, but... case, the step family uh does not relate to her and has convinced the blood relative to uh also abandon her for at least Which one is week crazy. every year. I mean like it's yes. just
0: fundamentally <laughs> a crazy thing to put in a movie. Yeah.
1: But like it's just <laughs> I don't know like... if you've ever if you've ever Trudged around uh, Reddit's R relationship. It it is not that uncommon. Well, apparently. yeah,
0: like, I, I I subscribe to a theory that I've I've seen posited before. That not oh, fully, that everything
1: in our reddits is uh, in in relationships. Not hundred uh, uh, percent, but that
0: some percentage
1: <laughs> of it is fake. Because, oh, certainly. I mean, certainly. some of it is definitely people, real, and some of it is definitely, definitely, definitely people fake. experimenting with short fiction in a right. lot of those. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Regardless, my, my my point is like I I just. I find overworked drama distasteful. That's right, <laughs> basically right. where it's coming down to. I get it. And I, get I find it. that the '90s, the mid '90s, was so intensely rife with it. Yeah. They're like, okay, we'll go look at the recommended movies. When you go look at <laughs> when you're on Amazon and you watch this movie, and then the recommended movies are just a long series of this movie set in different time frames, <laughs> all based on novels <laughs> written in the '90s. Like yeah. it's just that. It's just that like every movie and every drama felt like this. I mean this one the unique part of this one I guess is the fact that it's set in the 70s. And so well, they decided you know, a lot like of they it... decided to make dazed and confused but like angry?
1: Well that's that's what it is, right? It's it's the older Gen X kids coming to terms with their childhoods is what all right. of this is. Exactly. Totally. And and the author of the book, Rick Moody, has described it as sort of autobiographical about the disillusion or dissolvement of his own family. Uh, and then you said, you know, he's twelve during the right. Well, and m- that's the problem, though, right? Like, physically,
0: coming, it's not a even as Paul a, like, is meant to be like the the point of view character here, right? Right. Like, it's so. not definitely a problem per se for him to write something that's. There's nothing wrong with writing out of your own experiences nothing right. wrong with that no, of course not but like and there's nothing wrong
1: with with changing that experience and, and no and using not. it as influence to tell a a vaguely similar but different story
0: right. right it's just it's interesting because of the parts of this movie that feel nostalgic to me are interesting because it's a nostalgia for a, it's combining dark elements that were probably not really part of his actual lived experiences so like what i mean is like he was not in an unhappy marriage in 1973, <laughs> right? Right, but his parents might. Have I know, been. but he, he was, might have he been was aware a, of. It, he was right. a he was a 12 year old observer of a of an unhappy right. marriage, right? Like that is a very different thing, right? Uh, combined with probably what is real nostalgia for, even even if it's a sort of dark nostalgia for his own childhood, right? Like right the things that were the things you did when he was 12, and the and it's just interesting, right? Because it, it's just an interesting thing to think about. It's not a a negative comment on it. It's just an interesting thing to think about because what he's done is melded one thing which is is that nostalgia for his childhood. Right? Like the realness. Like when they when he sort of when the movie and I guess Angley is a is a part and party to this, sort of shows things from the seventies in sort of a sort of a loving sort of way, right? Like there's a there's a certain sort of nostalgic love for 70s accoutrement in this film right right not to the extent of dazed and confused or something like that but still it's there. certainly not Uh, this movie isn't
1: isn't so intent on creating the 70s as something like dazed and confused is but on making a a thing that is recognizable as period right even without you know
0: being so overt right right and then when yeah. you when you combine that it's just an interesting thing to think about is what happens when you combine that with per, sort of so, uh, perceptions of what relationships were like it's you know what i mean like it's right. hard to for right. me to articulate but like they weren't real lived experiences in the same way as like a person who is 15 years older than Rick Moody writing the same story about the same time period would be a very different story i think
1: of course of course, yeah, uh, and it's it's interesting then that you know you know part of your problem with uh with confusing characters here is that in a different treatment of the same material, uh Paul and Mikey are the same would, character would just be the right? same person, yeah, and actually,
0: right. I think uh-huh. in a different i i think probably the i I don't know about this book like personally, yeah. I've never read. Excuse me. I've never read it. Um, I don't know how well it's written. I don't know anything about that. But in the act of making the movie, I think it probably did a disservice to the book to not start smashing characters together.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean
0: like honestly, like I mean maybe they did. Maybe there were forty characters in this in the book. Well, but yeah. like by not combining the experiences of characters, it does leave it overcrowded. Right, right. And it's a,
1: it's a very interesting choice to have our framing narrator be actually removed from the titular action, right? Right. He is, he is in New York while all the rest of these things are happening to his family and his neighbor's family during the ice storm. He's stuck on a train all night, right? Um, and yeah, he has his own experience in New York that is a
0: separate thing that is maybe parallel to what's happening yeah I mean yeah. Um, I mean, it's right it's yeah. that framing right because he starts uh, off at the beginning with like about like coming home. well I mean honestly the framing at the beginning kind of put me on a bad foot to start off with right if I'm not the gonna opening lie, narration
1: gonna lie. is while he is on that train ride right that for uh, that that you know train ride during the ice storm too right because he's he, he's reading fantastic Four number 141 while he is on the train ride home that night right right <laughs> so so it's not you know and that's the Fantastic Four is maybe an interesting framing in that they are a family of superheroes and they have their own issue with an electrical storm. I don't know. I can draw all
0: kinds yeah, of Yeah, I mean, my my issue peripheral. with that framing was more about, like, yeah. it makes a very... And this is a problem, again, in these kind of stories, is it makes a very, very overt statement about what, how and what families are that are obviously from Paul's perspective. But yeah. for a in the context of a movie you're presented with a sort of different scenario where the movie is making a thesis statement about what yeah. family is right at the beginning and it really yeah. it really decides the tone of the movie and and it's a it is a decidedly you could read it as not being negative but it is a decidedly negative statement about what family is right um, and
1: it's it's also interesting to me that uh I don't know, I feel like there's a general understanding of the Fantastic 4 that a general audience might grasp. Although in, in 1990 in talking about family here. whatever. Probably, even in 97. I don't know. I guess maybe so. not, but even in 97. Um but but the particulars and the hints we get for people who know more about the Fantastic 4 than average is that this issue isn't just talking about the fantastic four as a family unit. We get flashes of the actual comic panels and it's, uh, Mr. Fantastic and Sue storm talking about Franklin, their son frequently. Right. right? And, and Franklin is, it's his own interesting character in that he is one of the most powerful individuals in the Marvel universe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, so that's interesting that, that, paul would relate to that and who's paul relating to here his talk of of family generally is a peripheral understanding of the fantastic four but we have still chosen this particular uh comic right we have still chosen and we've we've made active choices to show the panels we're showing and talking about the ramifications of their own actions for Franklin while he is a baby, presumably, I think, at the time. So, I don't know. It's What it all boils down to for me is that the the final moment of trauma here is not in line related to any of the other things happening. And that really right.
0: gets me. Right, yes. No, exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. Mikey wandering off during the ice storm is a thing that could have happened just as easily while his parents were home as right. it does yeah, no, while absolutely. they were out at a, the party. Yeah, absolutely. Right.
0: And, and when you look at sort of what Mikey's doing, Mikey as a character has a very specific, I mean, like his personality, again, is not that well sort of sketched in, but like he's doing a lot of, dangerous-esque things as he's right, wandering right. around right
1: right the amount of times where where
0: mikey should have died before he yeah. actually did die are are astoundingly annoying honestly right. right yeah no exactly that's exactly and and that's yeah exactly I, to, I, and to
1: I, tease a death that many times over the course of the same sequence even as it's intercut with other sequences But this is a a micro story of Mikey's actions on this night where his death is teased multiple times, not in a foreshadowing way, because it is not a long enough sequence for it to be foreshadowing in a meaningful way. Right. (laughs) But instead we get, oh, he's going to fall into the pool and die. Uh, No, he doesn't. Oh, he's sliding down the middle of the street. Someone's going to run over him. Oh, no, that doesn't happen. Good. Great. Oh, he gets electrocuted. Oh yeah, that just and it just happens, right? Like, right. There's yeah, barely no. even any build-up to it, right? Right. When it finally does happen, right? We get all well, these, they, yeah, these exactly. Build-up teases to the other things that don't happen, and then when it finally does happen, and again, it's it is not. Well,
0: I mean, the build-up teases and the final act are of what relatively equivalent impact because they all have are they're all about the same length. It's like, oh, on this one, he right. finally <laughs> dies. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> if anything the
1: pool sequence is, is the longest <laughs> yeah it it's, is
0: and it and it's the most terrifying one in and of itself right, right. like cuz it's it right. is upsetting but um and i was like oh well finally he's going to die and I, and and i you know i was like cuz like you know you, at that point you're like well this is going to happen before this movie is over right um right it's and like, i was uh, like well this is probably it's the it's
1: just like it's a poor horror movie is what it is in that yeah. point, in that in that bit right uh yeah. yeah, and then, you know, everybody's got everything, the emotional impact of the rest of that night that is suddenly backburnered because something so much more traumatic has now happened. Right. Right. And we don't deal with the fallout of any of that. It's just, it happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, and, the, yeah, and then the movie's over, right? Like, right. Like, essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then no, the so movie's
1: he... over, and we get more Native American pan flute and the ghostly weird credits that are happening there and maybe there's implications about waspiness and <laughs> the ghosts of our past traumas and yeah i don't even know but
0: <laughs> i don't want to go in there because i don't yeah. i don't really want to give it that credit um per se obviously See? the movie is trying to say something about
1: native americanness right in its or or or, or the white Eradication of Native Americanness, which itself a, a misnomer because they weren't actually eradicated; they were just uh, extremely oppressed and continuing.
0: Right. <laughs> They're well, still alive and, and still oppressed. Well, I mean, you're uh, going to run into the problem you always get, where it's like, wow, we we send these weird right. white families as our as our right way to talk about this other issue is always going to be problematic, right? Like, yeah. it, But we get all we get all that
1: flute and we get Christina Ritchie reprising her. Uh, Thanksgiving Day speech from the Adams family, basically, uh, right. and uh, it's interesting. She's a compelling character to me. She is, yeah. Um, and perhaps the most compelling character in the entire. Uh, yeah, movie. I would
0: say so. She well, she's certainly one of the better developed ones in the film in right. terms of just like having the most sort of like. But but even she's just a series of interests, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: she's keeping track of Nixon's lies and hate watches the news and is a sexually confused teenage girl who doesn't really know what she wants. And right. thinks she wants various things, you know,
0: I mean, um, she's our she's our closest connection point. If you're talking about like the modern day news, right? Like she's kind of the one that's supposed to remind us that it's 1990 whatever right Right. like she's the one you pay attention to the movie it's like ah she lets us know that that at least to a limited a certain extent we're talking about uh the clinton white house right now like that's what we're really wanting to talk about today kind of thing right um and and that's In that sense, they feel like it does feel like the movie has to spend does spend more time on her, um, because it wants to get that across, um, for an interesting character, right? But like again, yeah, you're right. Like again, but we don't spend enough time with her either, frankly. Like we just don't. We just the movie doesn't have the time to afford that. Uh, so you get what you get, right? Um,
1: though she is interestingly the one we see alone the most, right? Right. And I think that, that might be, literally true. be true. Time, time wise, I
0: I would I would agree that's probably true. Like, I yeah. mean I can't prove that, but that does sound correct. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean it, it's just given, you know, it, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to like review this movie in terms of like how much actual screen presence each individual <laughs> character gets. Uh, yeah, to get their own story. Yeah, it's not and a I lot think, of time. Uh, I, Elena has
1: a lot of time for her own story too in that you know we focus on her quite a bit at the party she gets the scene of her emulating her daughter and the scene of her at
0: the book well, sale right and, that's true and and I think to a certain extent she she's our sort of in a kind of weird way I would argue that she's sort of our other sort of cipher for like Constant American middle class values, or something to a certain extent, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, she's like the sort of pair with her daughter, do- with with um, yeah, with, uh, with Wendy, with Wendy to like help us know, like to to create that dichotomy to like, because like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, is sort of the most air quotes normal, right? <laughs> yeah, in the story, right? She's the one for whom a lot of this is like what the fuck is happening here kind of vibe that's no that's really fair like her husband is having the affair
1: and and as far as the narrative of the movie is concerned it may be very different in the book but as Absolutely. far as the narrative of the movie is concerned uh her her extramarital encounter um with uh with Jim in the car is Really
0: after after they've both been betrayed openly, right? Right, right. Um and it's very and, it's very late in the sort of story arc right. in general. Uh right. it's sort of a and culmination she, of their re- story arc. Right. And she has rejected
1: um she's openly rejected the reverence advances by that point, right? She has been trying to do other things to make her feel real again or whatever, you know riding the bike and, and shoplifting. um. And she even. She's very cautious about even doing things now because she's still nervous and she doesn't think that it's something she actually wants and then is very, very quickly proven to not be something that she yeah, actually exactly. wants. Yeah, right?
0: exactly. Absolutely. And, and that, and that's what sort of, we're supposed to read as sort of air quotes normal, right? Is it like, this was not a, this was not very much fun for me kind of thing, right? Yeah. This is yeah. not something I actually wanted in my life. Right. And,
1: you know, Jim and Janie have been having their own thing, but I kind of don't even, re- don't even understand Janie's sort of resolution when she comes upon Wendy naked with her 12-year-old son at the end, right? When she just, like, sighs and tells her to get dressed. Like, like what has... I would expect that sort of resolve from Elena, certainly, if right. she had encountered... If the roles had been reversed or something. Uh, but... But well, Sigourney I, Weaver's character, by that time, well, I don't really understand. There.
0: Sigourney Weaver's character, I do. I think I know what she's supposed to represent. It is not a stereotype I particularly enjoy portrayed on screen. She's sure. like meant to be read as a well, sort of a sort of what happens when. Like honestly speaking, if I have to be very honest about what she is essentially, I think meant to represent what happens when women read too much. I'm not even fucking joking. I, she is a she is a enlightened. No, I'm I'm not. I'm being totally serious. I don't like it, but I think that's what it is. She's always fucking reading in the book in the movie. Yeah, she she is like kind of to a certain extent enlightened, past what's good for her kind of attitude. Right, she's like she reacts to things that should be inflammatory with sort of a an enlightened understanding. She tries to lecture from a sort of, sort of an ivory tower sort of perspective when she encounters Wendy, doing that kind of stuff earlier. Yeah, it, it, it's and, and it's not a it's not a logical argument that she's making. It's not a good argument she's making, but it's a very like oh, I've read a lot of books sort of argument, right? Right. About what, not, what they do, people in other cultures and stuff. Yeah,
1: she's not a man hater per se, but she's still no. very much yeah. a a standard. Uh, it is a stereotype, uh, stereotype of, like, of a feminist. '70s yeah. feminist. Yeah, it absolutely
0: yeah. is. And I and I I think that's fair. don't like to see it in the movie. I don't. It was one of my least favorite parts of the movie in the sense that yeah. like you're you're feeding into a stereotype that is like that that sort of implies that if you read too much, especially if you're a woman who reads too much and gets too informed, you no longer yeah. are able to function as a mother. As a right. woman who should react, like, oh, you or, should be reacting to this. You should be like doing something about it. Yeah. But you just sighed, right? Because, uh, or as a wife, or even as talking. a mistress,
1: right? Exactly. Like
0: she, she, like,
1: like She's I, played I, this very I detached get, most of the time. I get not being interested in Ben talking about
0: his marriage while you're supposed yeah, to be having a totally affair. makes sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But she's not angry, sense. she's not like right. She's not emotional about it. She's right again. She just sighs and leaves. Right, right. and at and at most, she gets analytical. And mm-hmm. there's this sort of amb- implication yeah. that women get analytical when they've become too yeah. now smart for their own good or something. Right. Now, of way.
1: course, what what means to be a balance against that is that. Ellen is a very different character, right? So, right. so we've got, but to see us two dichotomized stereotypes does not does not actually help. make No, no, around,
0: right? Well, and they, and they're both equally bad in different directions, right? Like, Elena's right, sort of right. deprived to a certain extent of any sort of, like, Elena's, to a certain extent sort of deprived of outside interests at all, right? Uh, right, beyond like her position in her family right like right she's not purely the stereotype of like the the yeah. the, the, the of the mother but like she for a lot of intents and purposes she is she doesn't do other stuff right
1: but also much. like janie she doesn't want to hear ben talk so there's that well i mean too- like it's fine
0: for lots of people not to hear want to hear ben talk right uh um, right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably to a certain extent a whole other stereotype that we're operating <laughs> on, which is like, none of these women in my life were interested in hearing what I think. Right, Ben. Why ben do they all is hate this me? Weird henpeck. Yeah. 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 And and my problem is is that if you start breaking down the individual characters like that, this movie is gets pretty rough, pretty fast. <laughs> right. Right. Like it's like wow, we went through like a catalog of stereotypes of people. Tried to mix them up, maybe a little bit, like add a little yeah. bit of this, a little bit of that in there, and then we put them in the in a story, and 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 again, that may just be because we're trying to sketch too many people too fast. Yeah, hard to say. Uh, but th- that, but Janie's character was one of my least favorites. I was like, come on, guys, for yeah. real. Yeah. Like. It's- uh, you know, it's just this movie. Yeah, I, it's... I, and I feel like people. I, am gonna like the other thing that kind of uh, is. I feel like people liking it is sort of to a certain extent a symptom of the of the same time period in which it was created, where like this was the very popular kind of storytelling. Right. Right. Where it's like where oh, yes, yeah. We need uh... lots of complex emotional dramas. This has lots of them. This is a great movie. Right. But general audiences
1: actually did hate this movie. It bombed. I get it. It yes. lost ten million dollars. Yes. But but Cisco and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. Cisco said it was the best movie of the year. Uh but even like like it it was nominated for BAFTAs but not Oscars, which is which is its own interesting thing, I think. Right. Um And Golden Globes, and Gloves. Like like Yeah. Um Sigourney I mean, Reaver won a BAFTA for this movie, was nominated for a Golden Globe, but the Oscars didn't nominate it for anything. Right. Right. Uh, which is which is its own weird thing. But but like critics critics really loving this movie, I'm not surprised by, especially critics no. when it came out, because right. it's age appropriate for them to be have a nostalgia trigger to this movie
0: right absolutely yeah no totally it, it all it line it's one and we are we especially are encountering especially, our... I'm sorry no go especially
1: ahead. for a especially a nostalgia trigger for an upper middle class upbringing intellectualism that
0: would lead you to become a mid 90s film critic right absolutely totally <laughs> I, I agree 100% and, and <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like you know we of course are we are victims of this in our own era right we're, we're this age now this is right. us now. Like, right? Movies are being made. They're supposed to trigger these feelings for us. Our the critics are well. Given the nature of the way the job market and stuff has worked out, the critics are actually still older than us somehow, um, which is weird. But <laughs> apparently, not like, all of them. I think the no, most popular not, critics there's,
1: with some key exceptions to like the New York Times people or or even even you know the the big papers still. Generally, the popular critics are people our age.
0: That's true. Right. That's true. And, and 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 the films films that are being made are definitely geared at triggering things that they want to see. And you know that's what you do, right? Part of making a movie, a successful movie at the time period is make sure it's something that the critics would like to actually like. They would fundamentally enjoy watching. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I can't. It's. It. But man, I. I just remember, like, you know what it feels like. I- I'm gonna be told it feels like a USA movie. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a USA movie when I was growing up. You stay uh-huh. home from school, and it's not the crazy ones. It's not like a redone Good Morning Vietnam where they replace all the cuss words with very, yeah. very amusing uh, replacement words. But like an an a USA like probably a USA all, up all night movie where it's like oh it's a it's a, it's a pensive '90s. Yeah. Sexualized drama. And the advertisement way blows it out of the water, right? There's like the two or three kind of pseudo sex scenes and like the advertisements are full of that, right? That's, it's what it is. Yeah. I have my own nostalgia for it, but in the wrong direction where I'm like, what is this crazy nonsense? What are we doing here? I get that. Yeah.
1: Um, For some reason, the soundtrack was released. <laughs>
0: um. I don't remember. I wasn't even paying attention to the music. Was the music interesting?
1: Uh, well, there's, uh, even beyond the pan flute and, and the gamelan, uh, influence of the, uh, the general soundtrack stuff, um, like score stuff. I mean, uh, there is a lot of period appropriate music that pops up real quick. Um, uh, Henry Nielsen's Coconut Place at the party. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I
0: that's the only one that, that got a yeah. comment. And my Rumi was like doing something else on the on the on the uh yeah. like on her phone or something. She's like, wait a minute. Was that <laughs> coconut? And I was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um but David Bowie, Traffic, Frank Zappa, Jim Croach, uh, Bobby Bloom, uh Cornelius brothers and sister Rose and Sammy Smith and yeah, free. Are all on
0: the soundtrack
1: release? Yeah, you would think well I would have as...
0: noticed it more. I guess I didn't have the volume turned up high enough to even yeah. really notice the well, music. Well, a lot too much. of a
1: lot of that music is is quietly in the background. Some of it seems almost diegetic, especially Coconut at the party. I think is right. is playing yeah. at the party. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's low mixed. Whatever it is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It's interesting that the story tries to be a story about bored teenagers having sex and doing drugs and also a story about their, uh, bored parents at the same time. And I think it really is just overstuffed for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and because it's overstuffed, it does not do justice to any of those stories.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I agree. And then if you combine that with a tonality that I am not a super big fan of, as (laughs) I made very clear. The result is, like, if you combine those two things, is like, these are, like, two not great tastes together that I was, like, I had a hard time grasping onto anything when I was watching this, uh, yeah. which is a problem we encounter sometimes. It, it happens. It's You got mint in my peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll see
1: one more Ang Lee movie uh, in the future, um, also starring Tobey Maguire.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, like... I mean this is this is one of the eras of Toby Maguire, right? Like it it truly is. This is actually uh this is
1: uh Katie Holmes first role. Oh really? Uh yeah. First uh first named role, I think. Like first uh first role where she's a named character who who uh I don't even know how to describe that, but is among her first known roles. Um, right. This week we've been talking about the Ice Storm from Ang Lee. Uh, as I said, we'll see one more Ang Lee movie again in the future. But next week we will be talking about death of a cyclist uh, by Juan Antonio Bardem uh, from 1955, uh, a Spanish movie uh, apparently about the death of a cyclist.
0: So hopefully I don't get any weird flashbacks to the time I was hit by a car. Yeah, no kidding. Right. Uh, (laughs) Um, I refuse to take any title of any film at face value. This could be about anything. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair.
1: So, anyway, look forward to that. Uh, assuming I don't have uh, some sort of mental breakdown. Yeah,
0: some sort but... of. Yeah, we may like we. This may be a very <laughs> special episode where I'm with like Donovan or something. <laughs> Talking about
1: Adam's hospital stay. Yeah, um...
0: yeah. It's like because like it's like we always wondered when this would happen. We thought it would be me watching a horror movie, but it's actually Adam <laughs> watching a movie about the injury of a cyclist. So here we are.
1: Uh, Anyway, thank
0: you once again for
1: joining us for Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick O'Hara Dorgan. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Owitari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcap.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes? Like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.